0: It makes no sense that we're wasting billions of pounds of food while millions of people are going hungry. We're going to do something, and it might not be perfect, but you know what? I'm going to lace up my boots, and I'm going to do something about it. People join for that, and ultimately, they stay because when you have that feeling of community, when you're surrounded by hundreds of other students just like you who are working on a mission like that, you don't want to leave that. This community that, that we're forming is, is as important as the food that we're moving. Um, and in reality, I, I think the way that we're really going to address this problem is through those students and what they go on to do. That 10, 15 years down the line, as these students are in different, whether they have their own companies or startups, or they're working in government, or they're working for local nonprofits, et cetera, that it's that wave, that's what's gonna really bring an end to this problem. So right now, you know, we're working really hard as an organization to make sure that people who are in food bank lines have, have food today, but those students are gonna go on to make sure that those people don't have to be in that line tomorrow.
1: It's time for conversations about our food and how it's grown on Farm to Table Talk with your host, Roger Wasson. If you hear of an organization that's got the word link in the name, it suggests that they're trying to connect something. And when the first word is farm and then it's link, okay, the, the question is, what are you linking to a farm? Well, I have just the person to answer that question today, James Kanoff, and he's one of the co-founders and CEO of something called Farm Link. James, welcome to Farm to Table Talk. Hey, thanks for having me. Okay, so you got to put this together for us now. So you're a farm link. So what are you linking? Farm link is a grassroots movement of
0: students um, that's connecting farms to food banks all across the country. So when farmers get you know stuck with surplus or unsold crops, um, we make sure that they can pay the wages of farm workers to pay the pick and back out costs and get that food from the farm into communities in need.
1: Well, I don't know where to start because in one part, you were saying it's, it includes student's across the country. What, from one end to the other, they're just uh, student organizations that have come together to work on this purpose? Uh,
0: Yeah, so maybe it would be the easiest way to explain this is just to explain how we started. How how does that sound? Sure, do. So uh, this was back in mid-April, amid the pandemic, when a lot of students were sent home from their schools, um, myself included. In addition to the health crisis that was unfolding, there was an economic one. There were Millions of pounds of food um, that were going to waste from closures to schools, hotels, and restaurants. Uh, and at the same time, there were mile-long line food banks that were forming all across the country.
1: I remember seeing those As students,
0: students. We wanted to do something to help, but.
1: Yeah, no, yeah, I remember, I remember, I, I remember uh, seeing some of those, some of those lines that were miles and miles long all over the country to try to get food. That was, you know, you saw sometimes it would be
0: freeways that were entirely backed up for, I mean, sometimes literally 20 miles and everyone on the freeway was there waiting in line to, to get to the food bank. And ultimately, you know, only the people at the very beginning of the line actually ended up getting food and everyone got turned away. Um, and so seeing that, we, we wanted to do something. We're students, so it's not like we had a lot of money to our name. Um, so instead what we did is we got on the phone, started calling as many food banks as we could to understand what their needs were, what items they needed. And started calling a lot of farms to see if anyone had some unsold product that they were stuck with. Uh, After about the 200th call, we found one farm that had surplus eggs. Another food bank needed eggs. Um, So we rented a truck, picked it up from the farm, um, and delivered it to the food bank ourselves. And kind of since then, um, hundreds of students have joined, thousands of volunteers, um, people from across the country have donated. And we're now moving about a million pounds of fresh produce a week across all 50 states.
1: Holy cow. That's incredible. Now, now, back when you got started, were you were you basing this in California when you were the the first operation? Yeah, when we first started, it was just in Los Angeles. And um, now, you, were you are you a student yourself? Sorry, I Roger. That I think I think I lost you. Just yeah. sure I said, are you a student yourself? I am a student. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm not sure. The, um, I'll have to double-check the audio there. Where, where do you? Where are you a student at?
0: I'm a junior at Stanford right now.
1: Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, is the audio still questionable? Uh, it, it's good on my end. How about for you? Yeah, it's okay. There's a little pause that I noticed that, that you have. So... So you, you recognize a need, and and this is one of those things. You were able to, what, get um, a half dozen or so people together and say, why don't we do something? Or what was it at first? I mean, someone had to make the first call and said, let's sit down and have a beer or a cup of coffee and kick this around. And rather than just kind of wait out the whole pandemic, why don't we do something to help? And here's a need.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, that's how it started. Um, really, it was on the phone with one of my childhood friends, Aiden Riley. Um, and we were discussing really, it was like, what can we do? Because we're being told to stay home and that's the most we can do. And it just feels like, you know, in times of crisis, that's when people need to come together. And so there must be something more that we can do. Um, and just kind of brainstorming on a couple of different ideas. We kind of ultimately landed on, Hey, this problem is huge. And maybe we can take this really, really big problem and make it really, really small. Maybe we can just connect one farm to one food bank and, and that would be enough.
1: You know, I, I get so interested in how these inspirations take place. So, so you have to tell me this part too? Did it start off in a other than the telephone? Was it a coffee shop or or, or a beer garden or you know that <laughs> you know where where did you start hatching this before you were sketching it out on a napkin somewhere?
0: I mean, so this was right we, this, this is amid the pandemic. So there, you know, the coffee shop wasn't oh, open. Yeah, uh, that's right. There was no restaurant. So, I mean, this is like walking down the street outside, you know, at this time, no one really knew what was up with um, like how this was spreading. And so, I mean, you were, you know, staying away from everybody, you know, I didn't want to go, you know, 30 feet, sure. <laughs> someone walking their dog sure. out of the street and it was just, yeah. Talking on the phone, walking down the street. Then
1: you um, you have some division of responsibilities then.
0: How we started was really just anyone, you like, send a couple texts to friends, put it on social media. If anyone wants to help out, just, you know, jump on a Zoom with us um, and we'll just get you calling. Really, it was at that time, it was really just about finding surplus and then we'd figure it out from there. Now, obviously, with a couple hundred students working on it, um, there's a lot more
1: organization, <laughs> thankfully. yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, now you're to the point where uh, you probably at least have to have a checking account for some of your out-of-pocket expenses, I suppose. Uh, do you, you still don't have an office, I would guess. You're doing this all virtual? Yeah.
0: So we're an entirely remote organization. Um, and yeah, we, we've been lucky enough to have a fiscal sponsor who kind of is a, you know another nonprofit, uh, kind of a food bank of sorts um, that's really been helping us um, because we've raised uh, roughly $6 million. Um, so they... They help run our books to make sure um, that we're staying um, staying cash flow positive.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, with six million dollars, somebody's got to be keeping track of that. That's that's, that's yeah. pretty pretty darn impressive. Going back to the very beginning, you got the idea, you've seen the need, you you're motivated, you got a at first a handful of people that recognize that something gets done, and then you start calling food banks first before the farms.
0: Yeah. Uh, and, and the reason being we wanted to call the food banks first is we wanted to make sure that we were going to do something useful. So before we went to all the effort of trying to find the surplus, we wanted to talk to food banks to understand really what their challenges they were facing were, what their needs were. If I was able to find you surplus eggs from from a, a distributor or a farm, would that actually be helpful? Um, and once we kind of confirmed that, yes, this would be a valuable thing to us, this would really help us out during this time, that's when we decided to start calling farms.
1: How long did it take you before you were dealing with some real volumes?
0: Probably six days of, you know, from probably talked about the idea on Sunday. And then by Thursday, was on the phone with an onion farmer rerouting a truck of about 50,000 pounds of onions um, down to a food bank in Los Angeles.
1: Now You didn't really have to have a truck yourself then that, um, that you, could, you could get them to distribute it and bring them to where they would yeah, were. I mean,
0: when we first started, we actually rented the truck ourselves to pick up those eggs and, and drive them to the local food bank. Uh, thankfully, there, there's not college students driving 56 uh, foot uh, reefer trucks down the down the freeway for the public safety yeah, <laughs> of yeah. our, our country. Um, and yeah, we've been able to you know pay the wages of truck drivers um, in order to kind of cover uh, that shipping cost.
1: In the process, then, uh, and you're getting this product um, donated from. Is it donated by farmers or, or in any cases do the farmers get paid for for some of the surplus?
0: Some farmers, they, you know it's they have product, it's going to go unsold, otherwise they're going to take it to the landfill. And in that case they'll donate it, we'll take care of all the shipping costs and then we'll make sure that they get the big tax deduction back, um, which can oftentimes be you know more than we'd ever really be able to pay anyway. Um, and so that tends to be a preferred option. Um, in addition, though, sometimes the farmers are stuck with with crops that are actually in the field, you know, and if there's no one to pay the wages of the farm workers to actually pick and pack that crop, uh, they're going to let it leave in the field, they're going to plow it or till it under. So in that case, um, that's where we typically step in and we'll pay pay the farmer to be able to pay the wages of um, farm workers to pick and pack out the crop and we'll pay the wages of the truck driver to get that produce off the farm and into the food bank.
1: Yeah. Well, man, that's, in, that's incredible. Now, do you, do you handle anything of what they would call like ugly fruit? Yeah. that just is, it yeah. just doesn't quite make the grade. A- absolutely. So, I mean, that's a, on a normal year,
0: we're, we're leaving roughly 20 billion pounds a year of produce on the field in the U S um, that is a lot of times, ugly produce, something a little bit too big, a little too small, a little too ripe, not rife enough at the time that the crew's the crews picking. So it, that's that's a a large part of what we're moving
1: you know and in that process i I assume it became one of those head slappers for you that you say holy cow look what we're wasting here because i mean everybody has seen figures about how much we're wasting and when we talk about uh problems certainly even comes back to climate change of what we're producing in greenhouse gases when all these things are just going to landfills and so forth so um I would, I would imagine that a light went off at some point and that even though this wasn't a major reason you were doing this, but you were starting to think, holy cow, you know, look what we're wasting yeah. here.
0: I mean, this is the thing is, you know, stats don't move people, stories move people. And so you hear the stat, we waste 20 billion pounds of food. We just leave it on the farm every single year. Um, that actually doesn't really mean much to you. You can't imagine what 20 billion pounds looks like, but when you hear a story of this farmer, had to dig a ditch to bury 3 million onions, like literally dig a ditch and just bury. You just go, okay, that doesn't make sense. And then imagine that's happening 10,000 times across the U S every year. Mm -hmm. Um, that just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And particularly when we have, you know, this, unfortunately crisis of food insecurity, that is it's all over the country and it's not We probably have this idea that that's not not really accurate. And oftentimes this could be your neighbor. This is someone, you know, and you don't realize that they're facing food insecurity. And then we just, we can't have these two problems coexisting. It's not good enough.
1: Now, is the food that you're handling always fresh or are there sometimes uh, foods that are in surplus that are already processed in some way in cans or frozen or something?
0: Uh, we primarily deal with fresh produce because we're directly working with, um, with farmers or suppliers, however, there are you know food banks. That's typically what they're handling, and so they typically have a lot of relationships with canned, canned goods, processed goods, grocery stores, things like that. And what we're really trying to do, our mission is is, is not just to make sure that people have enough food um, in terms of calories, but the crisis of food insecurity in the U.S. is is often related to it's the face of it may be obesity um, when you don't when you can't afford to get fresh, healthy food. And so that's something that's really important to us is making sure that people get fresh, healthy food that's really going to help them um in the long run.
1: So I'm getting this picture. You've got an area that you're you're working with the food banks and you're connecting with farmers and you're filling the gaps. And so you've identified from the food banks, these are these are some products that they could use. And then and then you're getting on the phone and have some of your other team members they get on the phone and chase farmers. Yeah. I mean, you, now you can go out and see them a little bit. I mean, we haven't for this last year, but, uh, is almost all of that done on the phone? Yeah. It's almost, you know, primarily done through,
0: through the phone. Farmers are the busiest people I've ever met in my life. And we want to take as little of their time as possible. Uh, they don't need to spend time in you know, checking their email and et cetera, et cetera. Rather like let's get on a phone, let's spend 30 seconds. You have surplus. What's the address. What's the product. Okay, great. We'll handle everything from here. Um, farmers are too busy to be spending time worrying about product that they can't even sell they got to be focusing on the product that they can sell
1: i mean do they ever a little skeptical and want to make sure you're not going to go out and resell it somewhere uh, again? yeah of course i mean we'll provide you know all our documentation hey this is it and then on every
0: transaction cuz you know farm, they actually want to see it's not just like oh i don't have anything used. they want to actually see that it goes to good use um, and so you know we'll provide photos we'll make sure that they actually see exactly where their food went to who it supported Et cetera and we'll always try to keep it local um, if there's ever a need locally so that they're supporting their local community rather than a community that's you know quite a bit of ways down the road. Now in your case right now, um, how many people are working in your team? We're more or less working nationally, not necessarily divided by the country, but I would say there's it's about 150 students who are who are actively working in the project and we've probably wow. had more or less, maybe three to 400 over the last um, year who, who've worked on the project, but actively right now there's probably about 150.
1: Wow. Now do you end up having like staff meetings or something that you get everybody on a big zoom or conference calls or something like that? So they can say, here's the deal. Yeah, we do a,
0: we do an all hands meeting um, twice a week, actually. So we bring everyone on Monday morning and then they'll break off into team meetings and kind of plan out their week and what they're going to be working on. And then Friday we're all come together and kind of share back progress that was made how everything's going and, and kind of thinking toward the next week. Usually on a Zoom? We're, I mean, we're an entirely remote organization. So everything is done through Zoom and Slack.
1: So you get everybody together. They all know the game plan. And and yet you have to then, if you what if you find that there's some needs in, uh, I don't know, Alabama or Vermont? Are you able to, from some of your team members in California or Colorado or somewhere, still chase farmers down in those in those states and line them up
0: yeah so i mean this is a big advantage our students are coming from 71 different universities across the country so we have people working in pretty much every state so like i, I guess a, a case example would be like when the freeze hit texas right that you know broke supply chains all of a sudden you have the empty grocery stores again um, getting food to food banks was more important than ever and so like in that case we'll just divert a lot of resources students will start calling working with farms that, you know, may have frost damaged produce that, you know, doesn't look right, but it actually is perfect. And we're working to get that food to food banks. Um, So that's typically how we operate, Um, kind of being a little bit dynamic as kind of the need shifts throughout the country and through the year.
1: You must have some turnover. I mean, there's people that are available to be able to work with you and then, then they're going to say, hey, I got to run. They got to do whatever else. They've got a job or a class or something that they, they leave again. So you have to have a constant kind of, I would think, some churn of getting some people dis- disappearing and some people coming on board. Um, that So you, you must be training and recruiting almost all the time.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's exactly right. So... This is, you know, the advantage and disadvantage to being a most primarily volunteer run organization, um, which is that on one hand, we can keep our cost to basically zero. And, you know, any donor who donates, you know, we can say 100 percent of your dollar is going to go to the field. It's not going to go to paying someone's salary. It's going to go to the hands of farm workers, truck drivers, help getting food from the farm to the food bank. On the flip side, what that means is that we have to invest pretty heavily in being able to train volunteers and make sure that we can fill the ranks whenever someone does have to step away. And hopefully, you know, they get an opportunity to maybe go work for the World Food Program or the USDA or whatever it is. And we want to celebrate that and help people on their journey. Um, And at the same time, we want to be able to make sure we can fill those ranks um, as time progresses.
1: Yeah, I tell you, it's it's really, really exciting. So, how how is the word spreading? So, if you have people uh, uh, in, and Stanford is where you're going to going to school. But we're um, how many different universities do you think are involved? that students from those different schools.
0: I think from our last recruiting cycle, it was 71. I think starting with this recruiting cycle, I think we're closer to like 90 now. Oh. Um, across like I think 10 different countries too. So it's not even just the U.S. at this point. Um, it's really students from from all over.
1: Well, I mean, that's got to be challenging. I mean, if they're in, in, in a different country too, I mean, they got to be doing some of their own chasing and and lining up farmers and 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 all that sort of thing. Absolutely,
0: yeah, definitely more of a franchise component there than than the operation we're running in the United States.
1: Why do people do this? I mean, you've got all these volunteers from all these different universities that are doing it. What what do you hear most often when? when they explain why they're glad they're working with you on this program?
0: I think people join for the mission, um, but people stay for the community. So you can get really amazing volunteers to come for this mission. It makes no sense that we're wasting billions of pounds of food while millions of people are going hungry. You know, that's just, we're going to do something. And it might not be perfect, but you know what? I'm going to lace up my boots and I'm going to do something about it. People join for that. And ultimately they stay because when you have that feeling of community, when you're surrounded by hundreds of other students just like you who are working on a mission like that, you don't want to leave that. You don't want to let go of that. And that's why I think, to your point of kind of turnover, we have pretty little turnover over the last year because of it.
1: But at some point in time, um, I suppose there will be going on. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be curious to watch this and see some of the stories you see. It because there's, you, you know of people that say that their life was changed because they were in Peace Corps years ago or that have done other things of a mission and it created, I think a journey for them for the rest of their life that they had that experience. I don't know if, have you felt that, that, you know, you're providing that opportunity. That's probably going to have a lasting impact on all the people that are participating.
0: Yeah, that's, that's really an insightful observation. That's, we always, we often say at farm link that uh, this community that, that we're forming um is, is, is as important as the food that we're moving. Um, and in reality, I, I think the way that we're really going to address this problem um, is through those students and what they go on to do. That 10, 15 years down the line, as these students are in different, whether they have their own companies or startups, or they're working in government, or they're working for local nonprofits, et cetera, that it's that wave, that's what's going to really bring an end to this problem. So right now, you know, we're working really hard as an organization to make sure that people who are in food bank lines have have food today, but those students are going to go on to make sure that those people don't have to be in that line tomorrow.
1: Sure. Now, now, what about uh, organic versus conventional? Is there any difference uh, between, you know, what you're what you're getting? Sometimes is it organic, sometimes is it conventional of the foods?
0: Yeah, it's um, a totally a mixture. Uh, mm-hmm. Really, we're, we're not we're not picking. Um, and we're going to take what we can, what we can get and what we can provide people. Um, it's a crisis right now. Um, and as much as we'd love to, you know, just serve, you know, organic non-GMO, uh, buzzword, buzzword, buzzword. Um, at the end of the day, there's people right now who are really struggling and we need to put food in front of people. So we're working. Sure types of all types of
1: agriculture. Well and it's healthy fruits and vegetables for the for the most part. Do you do you see it going into protein at any point? Is there a stage where the there may be uh meat or other protein sources that might get worked into it? Protein's really important. Uh
0: from a food safety perspective, I don't think students are the right people to be kind of working with protein, honestly. Um, I worry a lot about food safety and it's like you know a top priority and I think introducing protein tin into it at this time is uh, is a little too risky for us right now. Um, but in the future, I mean, it's incredibly important. And, and a lot of these industries, um, whether it be it cattle, beef, um, sure. chicken, they have the same problem. So like we, I mean, we have placed, I guess, a lot of loads of actually chicken, um, like fresh or frozen chicken um, that for whatever reason was, was, was unable to be unsold. We, we've placed that stuff locally as well.
1: Well, you know, hopefully we're we're moving to a better stage with uh, what we've gone through. but uh, but there will still be hungry people, unfortunately. And so uh, even if we the pandemic probably drew attention to you're seeing the need to jump in there. But if the pandemic went away, I would think there'd still be need for somebody to be able to do the sorts of things that you're doing.
0: Absolutely. I, this problem existed long before the pandemic, and it's going to exist long after. After the pandemic, we're still going to have billions of pounds of produce that are going to waste, and we're still going to have millions of Americans who are you know, spending nights where they, they don't know where their next meal is coming from.
1: Uh, assuming I'm listening to you and I'm a student, I wish I was, I guess I am in a certain extent, but I've been a student. And I'm somewhere in the country, and as you pointed out, it doesn't have to be just in the in the country. It can be in other places too. And I'm hearing this conversation, and I think this sounds really good. I wonder if I can help. What do they do? That uh, they want to get involved. How how do they do that? You go over to
0: FarmLinkProject.org. Uh, that is the easiest way to connect with us. You send us an email, send us a note, sign up to volunteer. Um, Well, the the organization is primarily, you know, the work is a lot of times driven by students. Students wouldn't know what to to be doing if we didn't have amazing people who know a lot more about the spaces that we're operating in, advising us, helping out where they can. Um, And that's been kind of the secret sauce is that combo between having students who may have a lot more time to give um, and people who have a lot more experience and can really be
1: good mentors um, and really help this thing succeed. So, They call, they get some information, and then pretty soon you put them on board and say if I'm sitting as I am today in Cincinnati, Ohio, um, I you could say, Okay, start making some phone calls, you know, chasing down the the local food banks and see what they need and then go find the farmers that are growing and see if they have any surplus to, to contribute. Exactly. We we've
0: had I think for every one hour that people volunteer with us online. Um, they're rescuing roughly 2000 pounds of fresh produce and getting that to to people. So you could log on right now, you go select, get involved, say, I'm going to do power hours, which just means calling farms. You'll jump on a student will train you up, you know, for 15 minutes um, for the first session. And then second session, you're on the phone calling farmers right then and there, helping your local community.
1: Man, I think this is great. I I really applaud what you're doing. You're filling a need. Uh, You're addressing an issue that we've, talked about way too much, but when you can look at hunger, when you can look at, and part of the hunger goes back to food waste too. And it even has a a climate element, like we're saying. And um, I think it's wonderful, James. And you've, uh, one more time, um, give us that website address again, one more time for people that would like to uh, get involved. And, and I, I guess there is an opportunity that people can make contributions as well. So if they want to be able to financially support what you're doing, they have an opportunity as well. Is that right?
0: That's correct. It's farmlinkproject.org. Uh, and yeah, we had a budget that 100% of individuals donations. We're going to put that straight um, out in the mission. So we're a volunteer run organization. That means that every dollar you give, that's going directly to pay the wages of farm workers or truck drivers. It's going directly to getting food off the farm that would otherwise, you know, end up in a landfill or being plowed under, um, into communities in need and ultimately on families dinner tables. So that's like our commitment. Um, cause I know some people can, they're a little, you could be skeptical about charity and is, how is my dollar being used? And so we just want to be 100% transparent, show you exactly how your dollar makes an impact.
1: Well, I, I really thank you for explaining this, I'm talking to James Kanoff, who's the founder and co-founder, I guess, and of the, this project. And uh, James, one, one final thing. If, if I check back with you a year from now, what do you hope to be different from what it is today?
0: It's a really good question, Roger. I, th- I think the truth is that we have a lot of work to do, um, and we're, pr- we're proud of delivering 30 million pounds. The truth is, is that that's a drop in the bucket of this problem. And, and I hope that truthfully, maybe it's one year, maybe it's five years that you call back, um, but maybe FarmLink is out of business because we've solved this problem that our, our country, we've come together and said, we're not going to let billions of pounds of produce go to waste while millions of people go hungry. And so you call me and I say, yeah, I'm, I'm actually out of a job. Are, are you hiring for your podcast?
1: Because we solved the problem. That's that would be my dream. Well, I hope that dream is fulfilled. I have a feeling there will always be need for people that can take initiative. I really admire the initiative that you're taking and all the volunteers that are working with you. You're providing an, an important need. And I want to thank you for sharing it with the people that are listening to Farm to Table Talk. And I want you to come back sometime and keep us posted on progress. Wish you the best. James, thanks for being with us today. Thanks so much for having me, Roger. Take care. You've been listening to Farm to Table Talk with your host, Roger Wasson.